Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside a guest that I would say it's been a long time coming for this man to be on the podcast. He was one of the first people I believe I followed. I've been on Twitter for about three years now, and this man was one of the first people I followed. He covers the Bucks at Behind the Buck Pass. He's a co-side expert there. He's also the co-host of the great Win in Six podcast, one of the original Bucks podcasts. It is Jordan Tresky. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So we did get you on for one reason in particular, and it's because you, you, you love puns. We're just going to talk about puns for this, this whole entire <laughs> podcast. But no, no, we got, we got you on because you, as well as covering the Bucks, you certainly this season and in, in previous seasons have watched more G League basketball than I have. And we got some pretty cool news today that Frank Mason was named the MVP of the G League. Uh, and we're going to touch on that a little bit. We expect Frank Mason will be down uh, in Orlando with the Bucks over the next few weeks here. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But for you, I want to ask straight up, I know what it feels like to be covering the Bucks over these last few months, certainly in podcast format and going back, looking back at some of the old teams, reminiscing a little bit. How have you found it? Or how have you found it, I should say, over at Behind the Buck Pass? Because it's, it's, it's been a strange few months for those that are trying to cover the game. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's there's some days where it's like you kind of feel like, oh, like, you know, especially over the last, like, uh, probably since kind of the plans of the seasons we started, you're like, okay, we're kind of getting back in the swing of things. And the, I, I would say, like, at least, like, after the hiatus, like, officially started, I was like, okay, well, we can, like, at least, like, reflect on what the season was, if, even if it doesn't continue kind of thing. But there was like there was like definitely a de- a dead period where it was just like oh, what happens if the season doesn't come back? <laughs> like like it was just like every day is kind of like a new thing, honestly. But uh, it it seems like we're kind of trending towards steady talk about the Bucks, even though it's you know what even a month away still from play we started, even though there's some obviously some big complications uh, staying in the middle of that. For sure. I've definitely thought over the last couple of weeks, like particularly through March and April when the season was clearly not going to come back anytime soon, I was uh, you know, working, obviously trying to keep the podcast going every day and trying to find these guests. And then I got through to May and I was like, all right, I can see some light at the end of the tunnel here. And now I'm back again, nearing the start of July. I'm just like, holy shit, if this, if this season doesn't start, I, I'm not sure if I, I, I've run out of people already to, to bring on the podcast and stories to tell. I'm going to have to be doing some serious deep dives. So uh, from a purely, 100% purely, and I can admit this selfish point of view, uh, I hope we get some more prominent news now uh, to talk about because if not, I'm just going to flat out run out, th- run out of things to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, they eventually happen to us. I know Adam is, like just trying to like find things like okay, we can like find something there and uh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> there are some good days, there's some bad days, and hopefully there are some better days ahead. 
So as far as the Bucks go, the news came out this morning, or I guess uh, during the day, US time overnight here in Australia, that the Bucks will be heading down to Disney on July 9th. So this is only 13 days away. So obviously the transaction window is still open, as expected. Not much movement there from the Bucks at this point. We certainly haven't heard any news to suggest that players uh, are not going to head down to Disney, which again, we, we, we kind of predicted that that might be the case given uh, what might be on offer for the Bucks when they go down there. But more news coming out. Obviously, there's going to be some pretty tight security down there. I don't know whether I'm off base feeling this way. I mean, when I see the fact that there's going to be security down there, they're going to be taking this really seriously, trying to protect the players, trying to uh, protect people from getting into that bubble and getting contact uh, with the athletes. To me, that makes a lot of sense. I see um, you know, some commentary that it's kind of weird and that this wouldn't be a good situation for the players to be in. I kind of agree but I don't think any situation is good for the players to be in right now. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to go down there, do it, do it proper. Yeah. I, I mean, there's really no win here <laughs> yeah. regardless. I mean, we're in a, uh, in a pandemic and obviously just the events of what the last like week and a half, two weeks of just how things have literally gone South in Florida. Like they, something this, all of that has like necessitated kind of locking things down as much as they can. Because I know for a long time they were talking about like, well, it's this campus environment and it's not a bubble. It's like the players can at least like, you know, have some freedom to go around the park and stuff like that. But I mean, that choice is quickly being taken out of their hands at this point with just the, the surge of infections down there. So, I mean, it's, it's good right now and hopefully it just, you know, it doesn't lead to an outbreak or players just get seriously or anything like that it's just it's it's a very there's like i said there's just no win here all around so i was before we move on to frank mason i was thinking when i mess i messaged you pretty late to get this podcast done today i must admit i appreciate you jumping on but i, I was wondering about the time difference and then i was thinking uh you know maybe maybe he's uh settled in for night but then i realized you do the podcast with adam mcgee you're used of you're used to this kind of weird time zone <laughs> international podcasting game you you're actually a veteran in this oh yeah my house is just basically clocks of you know like like there's like the store that has like <laughs> three hour time difference. no but yeah we definitely i'll be i definitely have gotten used to being like okay so it's 10 o'clock my time. That means it's 7 Adam time. Like, there's like a certain where it's like, okay, I could probably message him for like, oh, how are we going to play it on our day and stuff like that. But yeah, I've definitely gotten used to time difference and and uh, <laughs> having to do that for quite some time now. So let's talk Frank Mason. The Herd, obviously, were in the midst of an incredible season and, and looking like potentially having a bit of a playoff run, a postseason run and, and winning a championship. That's what we were we were hoping was going to be the case. They called the G League season. MVP this morning named Frank Mason. No, we know he's a two-way player for the Bucks. He played 23 games for the Herd this season. 26.4 points per game, five assists, 50-40-80 club. Uh, unfortunately, the free throw is down at 81%, uh, but he was extremely efficient, 42.5% from three. This is a guy with a lot of NBA experience. Uh, how enjoyable was he to watch down the Herd? Because, again, I know you definitely watch more of their games uh, than mine, but every time I caught them, this guy was on another level. Yeah, especially as the season went on. I mean, by right before like the season stopped, he, that was when he was playing his best ball. Honestly, he was almost like I think for the I know he got like G League Player of the Month for February. And he was nearly averaging like thirty points per game and hitting some like insane, basically even better what he was averaging shooting splits for the year. I mean, 
I knew, I remember liking him when he came out of college and kind of thought like, oh, like he could have like this kind of, you know, life as a nice uh, backup guard kind yep. of, you know, six man type guy if, if best uh, case scenario. And, you know, he had a couple, like, wayward years with the Kings and then comes with the Bucks, and I was like, oh, maybe that's a guy that could really, you know, say if they have – considering it was just, you know, Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, he could maybe fill on for a pinch on some nights. But obviously, you know, I think he only had, like, six appearances, not many. Um, but in the G League, he, he really – everything that we saw, like, of him in college, at least by the time he was a senior – it was basically like that on another level in the G League. He was just very, I mean, he was a bucket, as the kids call it. <laughs> okay, Jordan, I know you're a big fan of Built Bar, but let me tell the listeners a little bit more about it if they haven't heard me talk about it enough. So Built Bar, we all know, is the best tasting protein bar ever. The bars are tasty. Of course, they are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate with nut, eight chocolate without nut. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for when you're ripping off two podcasts a day. Locked on Bucks for me, locked on AFL for me. There's a cheeky plug. We have a deal for you, of course. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. I remember watching a, a fair bit of uh, him with the Kings, and he was a regular rotation player over 2018, 2019, those two seasons. Uh, he appeared in 90 games and was was playing double-digit minutes per game. So when he was out there, mm-hmm. he was playing a significant role. As you pointed to, he only played 53 minutes with the Bucks this season. Behind Bledsoe and George Hill for obvious reasons, and even when Bledsoe was out, we know how they play DiVincenzo. He sort of slides into that uh, quasi-point guard role, however you want to describe that. But this was a really interesting signing for me at the time when they got him as a two-way player because he didn't strike me as a guy that is your typical two-way. We see developmental young guys. We see guys that haven't really had an opportunity. This was very clearly at the time of signing for mine a guy that was better than a two-way contract. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, this is you know this is like the third season of two-way contracts. I think it is, and stuff so, like. You kind of get used to like, oh, like their teams that kind of prize. They'll, you'll see teams go like, this guy's really good in the G League. He may not get minutes in the NBA, but like we have no choice but to sign him for two way because, you know, maybe he eventually, if injuries pile up, he can, you know, fill in, play some meaningful right. minutes and and not miss much of anything. And then you'll have guys. There'll be like maybe more kind of like project type guys, and you think like, oh, there's a bigger picture with him. But Frank, basically, like it was kind of. I, I don't know. Like, obviously, last year was kind of what it was. I know it wasn't the greatest for him, but just – there's just something, like, if he just got a more kind of – if he if he took on more of, like, a, a prominent role or kind of leading the offense, basically what he did with the herd, like, you could kind of see for him, like, if everything was catered towards him in a way that he could really kind of find his niche again. And, I mean, obviously, the, the fact that he won MVP kind of says it all in that right. Yeah, so let's talk about the way that he plays down with the herd a little bit because the G League is is always interesting. I, I think the big thing that we heard from the Bucks and when I had an opportunity to talk to anyone that had been down there, uh, it, compared to a season before, 
when I actually did get to a couple of her games and they were awful, uh, the, 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 big, the big difference was that uh, they seemed to be playing in a system, within a system, Chase Buford had the team running beautifully, that kind of mirrored what the Bucks were trying to do. That wasn't the case the year before uh, when you had a guy like Christian Wood, who clearly it's translated to NBA level for him. He was, he was fantastic with the Pistons to end the season. But when you watch the herd, it was just, well, give the ball to Christian Wood and stay out of the way and let's hope for the best. What was Frank Mason's role within the offense when he played for the herd? Because oftentimes with these dominant players down there, it's hard to really see how they translate to the NBA because it's, it's clearly going to be a different role. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the biggest thing is, you know, uh, like and it ha- obviously happened to Christian uh, with the herd too, is that you just take on, it's either like, it's, you know, funneled through him into a point where it's like you just need him to kind of like uh, carry him on the on the team on their back, really. I mean, obviously that was the case last year. But the fact that you had like a guy like Frank Mason, Jalen Adams who finished, he was the runner-up in MVP voting, another like very similar to Frank where they, they can just get anywhere they want on the court, hit from three, all that stuff. Like there was a sense of just like how everything just worked on a string and how everything was coordinated with uh, Chase Buford. Uh, in his first season like I think that's what makes Frank's season so good is that he managed to stand out even though everybody you know certainly pulled their weight and uh, stood on their own way but he there are like NBA skills and talents that he has that you know if he just gets a shot and kind of can play a role that's more you know ask more of him rather than kind of like set up the, the offense and what we kind of seen with him when He's had very limited minutes with the Bucks. Like you can kind of see where his comfort level is when he's at. He can play his game rather than like, okay, I have to kind of you know balance the game of everybody else. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I think the the big thing when I think about Frank Mason, I want to look at the defensive end. And when you compare uh, to the Bucks guards and what they're doing, Eric Bledsoe not a huge guy. He's taller than Frank Mason, but height wise, he's not huge. But he's so strong and so physical defensively mm-hmm. and then you look at the other guys George Hill is a little, so long and DiVincenzo similar obviously a little bit taller Frank Mason only 5'11 I, I think that if you really want to simplify it that maybe is something that teams look at and shy away from just because you just don't see too many guys uh, that size in, in the league anymore what does he yeah. bring to, what does he bring defensively like can he can he be a is he going to be permanently pigeonholed into that scoring backup point guard or is he someone that you can actually throw out there defensively and, and uh, trust it. I think I think it would be it was certainly more of like kind of you know spark plug type guy. Yeah. Um, if he if he ever you know kind of gets a you know full fledged roster spot, but I think he could at least you know hold his own on defense. I know he's not like obviously his size is a big issue, but he is pretty quick. He has good you know good mobility and kind of can at least like how he seeing how the Bucks use their guards defensively. I think he can yeah. fight through screens and kind of, you know, uh, at least do some of that for for a team if it's not the Bucks. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's I would say it's more uh, if he's, you know, playing plugging in his role offensively, that's, that's more of what you want from him. So I would imagine he gets the two-way deal, which, uh, like I sort of said, was a surprise to me, wins the MVP, dominates down at G-League level. I have to imagine that it's going to be difficult to retain him on a two-way. I feel like there's an opportunity coming his way. For the Bucs, when you look at the point guard situation, clearly they've 
uh, got Eric Bledsoe locked in and also George Hill. Bledsoe's already 30. George Hill is 34 for at least the next couple of seasons here. And DiVincenzo, as I said, is a guy they've heard, they are going to heavily invest in, I would imagine. Mm. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't really see that there, maybe there's a position for Frank Mason to roll in, but I've seen him in the locker room even when he's been with the Bucks, even though he hasn't been playing. Extremely popular guy. Uh, super, super nice to, to everyone that, that's around the team. So I, I would like to think that they would want to keep him around, but are you envisaging that he's definitely going to be on an NBA contract next year? Is that just a given at this point? I That's the, that's the tough thing with all this uh, kind of just like projecting, especially because I think we've seen it with guys. This is, I mean, we're going very niche Bucks players, two-way players, yeah. but like yeah. even guy like Xavier Mumford, who is kind of, he kind of filled like the same, you know, spark plug type scorer who can score in bunches type guy you know you see like okay this is how they can work in the league or theoretically in the league but you know obviously opportunities are when you once you reach that level is just you know it's a different ball game in terms of that uh uh when you bring that into the context but like i i don't know if i don't know maybe there will be some team that kind of you know looks at hey this guy won the g league mvp look at his numbers look at his production he was an NBA caliber point guard before that. Like maybe someone invests in him and maybe kind of like a, maybe not like a hinky special type thing, but just kind of like, Hey, we'll take a flyer and him and he'll fill in like third guard minutes. Maybe that's a team like the bucks that, you know, obviously cheap contracts are going to, they're going to have to look for anything, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, I, I would be surprised. I would say, but who knows? Interesting. So he does join uh, also another Bucks former backup point guard in G League MVP on a board list, Tim Frazier back in 2014-15 with the main red clauses. I'm just looking through the list right now. It's interesting. A lot of these guys that have won the G League and I guess going back D League MVP hasn't, haven't necessarily translated. Maybe it's, it's more leaning towards veteran players that can go down there and dominate rather than the developing talents. Chris Boucher last year obviously is a... Uh, an example of a guy that has translated to the NBA. But what about the herd in general? Because, again, I mean, last year, I remember there was one game I went to. It was out in Long Island. So the Bucks played. It was after the game, that the Chris Milton game in New York. So I went out for that game where Chris Milton oh, was, yeah. was benched late. And a couple of days after that, or might have been the next day, the herd played the Long Island Nets. So I was like, all right, I'll go out there. So I got the train out there. And... Uh, by the time I got to my seat, so I was doing some work in the media room, and by the time I got to my seat, they were losing 22 to nothing. And, <laughs> and that kind of, for me, summed up the herd season. I mean, they just didn't win many games. It's been quite a remarkable turnaround uh, for them to be so dominant this season. And uh, as I said, I haven't watched as much as you, but when I have watched it, it's fun basketball to watch. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it goes beyond Frank Mason, obviously, even though, you know, MVP, all that stuff, like, there was certainly a like reading any comments with uh, Dave Dean, who's her GM and I think Bucks Vice President of Oper- or Basketball Operations. Like he, there was a, a very clear directive of we want to improve the product and just kind of get all these. Obviously, just have put out a winning basketball team. I don't think they thought they would be thirty-three and ten <laughs> necessarily, but right. the fact that they get like a Frank Mason, Jalen Adams, um, Jamario Jones, who is kind of a very a big glue guy for them. They got these guys that very productive on the G league and could really, you know, fill their roles and kind of saw, you know, a uh, Ray John Tucker. I forgot about him. He got the call up to the jazz. 
they they saw these roles of how they could play, you know, a, a bud style uh, system, and then you bring in Buford who kind of just pulled all the right strings. And from what I've seen and from heard players and all this, the players love playing for him. Um, and I mean, it it clearly showed obviously the fact that they had the success that they did, but like it just it was it was pretty stark the fact that they go from having the worst record last year and playing a lot of forgettable games <laughs> to the point of you know playing bucks like ball in a G in in the G League, which you know as since it's come into uh, fruition in with the bucks, like <laughs> players come in and out, there's just very little constant, so it's. It's remarkable to see like that level of success when you know you don't know who's going to be with you, who's going to be with for you for the whole season, all that stuff. It's such a weird feeling to look at the Bucks and look at the G League team and look at a guy like Frank Mason, who's clearly like really talented. He's only 26, so he's got plenty of good basketball ahead of him. And then a guy I already mentioned, Christian Woodrug and Bender, who I thought was looking yep. really good and, and a guy that genuinely fits the Bucks system and what they're trying to do on both ends. And it's it's just such a strange situation to be in for the Bucks, where they're actually got all this young talent sort of cycling around in the G League team. I think they're using the herd to perfection, the way that they're integrating the guys uh, in between the NBA and G League. They just don't have spots for these guys to, to play at the moment. And it's it's never really been the case for the Bucks. But I, I think it has to be a huge positive for the franchise that they seem to be able to, uh, A, attract the players to come in and then maximize what they're, what they're able to do on the floor. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the fact that you, you know, you just have, I'm sure they're pitching all these guys. This is how we want to play, play, play our way. We want to play it top on down. They've talked about that since, you know, uh, you know, three years ago since it became a team. But like the fact that it comes to fruition with a first year head coach, you know, who has been in the G League for a couple of years beforehand, and you're bringing in new guys year over year, you basically overhauled it, really. Um, and, you know, you're at the top of the league. And I know it sucks the fact that, you know, things ended the way it is, it did and there, you know, you can't win a championship uh, or it just take it away from you like that just in one fell swoop. Uh, but like little stuff like this, like kind of just shows like, hey, at least it's, you know, it's at least some consolation prize that like, you know, all this hard work and effort gets rewarded, you know, in some capacity. I've been trying to track this and the news is kind of sporadic as it comes out, has there been any movement in regards to what they're going to do? Are they going to name the herd champions or is this just going to be a blank year in the record books? Because uh, as you said, I mean, this was, this was one seriously dominant team uh, at the point of where the season was, was canceled. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'd be, I'd be kind of shocked. I know because uh, since it uh, regarded the Milwaukee minor league hockey team, the Admirals, like, they they were named yeah. champions, even though obviously the season ended prematurely. So, but I I I mean I'd be surprised. I wonder if they would have done it when they officially called it on the season, which kind of like dragged on. But I I, I really don't know. Well, the good news for Frank Mason is that regardless of what happens with his NBA career, we hope that he's around the box. But we know next year that we can confirm that uh, Pat Connaughton is going to get him involved in the dunk contest uh, as he continues <laughs> to sh- to shuffle through the Wisconsin MVPs. But for all, let me just say this: for all the pessimism uh, from uh, Wisconsin sports fans, which I, I can't truly understand from my position, I, I, I completely understand it from a Bucks fan's point of view. But I don't have, you know, the Brewers, the Packers, that kind of connection. I have to say, this has been one hell of a run 
uh, as far as winning MVPs for the state. It's uh, pretty damn impressive and it's pretty damn cool, to be honest. I agree. I, I mean, it's still like, I know it's not to the level of, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's still like minor league kind of looking at through that. But like the fact that, like I said before, like you put in all this work and you, you know, uh, experience all the success, like it's still, it's good to have some recognition for it and kind of speaks to like the fact that, you know, the Bucks want to make sure like this is a, a team, a Spurs like environment. So I know they've talked about that uh, plenty, but like the fact that it's reflected from the G League level onto the NBA level, the, you know, they both teams are, were just playing like crazy before all the, before the season stopped for both of them that like, that that means something to those players and obviously the organization itself. We can't get through a podcast without mentioning Giannis at all. It's just, it's almost impossible to do so. But I, I think about Giannis and I think about a guy like Frank Mason, because as I said, when you see Frank Mason come up to this team, and uh, it was certainly I'm fortunate enough to be in the locker room and see the way that they connect. And Giannis truly, I, I just haven't seen anything like it. For a guy in his position, NBA MVP, best basketball player in the world, the way that these guys and Frank Mason and the G League players, not that Frank Mason is a young player, he's been around the block, he knows what he's doing, but he feels so comfortable uh, around a, a guy of that stature. It's just so unique. And I think that, again, that's fostered right through from the Bucks through to the to the herd locker room and, and what they're trying to do. They've just, uh, it's hard to praise the, the Bucks uh, system more uh, than, than we already do. It's, it's been fantastic transformation over the last couple of years. Have you been to, uh, let me ask you this, have you been to a, a herd game? I have not actually. I was actually, <laughs> I was planning on going maybe if they were like going in the playoffs or late in the year. And obviously yeah. uh, <laughs> things got shuttered pretty quickly. Yeah. I was kind of in the same boat. I, I didn't get there this year. I, I did last year, but I, I was planning on getting to one either early March or, or it was late Feb, but things were starting to get a little bit wild there. So I, I, I bowed on that one. But if, for anyone that hasn't been there, I just have to, plug the experience of going to a herd game because it's hard to really explain the arena if you haven't seen it it's like it's just like a huge shed it's just like a huge shed that they play in but if i went on a saturday night the one game i got to it was a full house the crowd was going absolutely nuts it's clear that the community has has really got around that team it's a really really fun atmosphere and if you uh, next season, hopefully fans are allowed to go. I guess we don't really know. Maybe it's not the best time to be plugging going to a herd game because I might have to do it again in a year before people get a chance to go. But <laughs> it's absolutely well worth your time. The only thing, the only knock I have on going to a herd game is it was a Saturday night and, and I, I guess I don't know Oshkosh too well, but we were trying to find a spot to, to get a beer and get something to eat on the way home. And um, th- there wasn't a lot going on in Oshkosh on a Saturday night. I don't know if that's normal or we didn't know the spots, but it was a struggle. <laughs> and that would be surprised it's college town yeah. you know, it's a smaller college town but yeah <laughs> yeah we, we maybe maybe we didn't know the right spots but hey uh i really appreciate you coming on like i said uh, you are far more over what frank mason did this year during what is now an mvp campaign for this constant herd so i really did uh, get you on board super late here but <laughs> I, I appreciate you uh taking the call and, and talking some g league no problem, anytime. <laughs> so make sure you do follow Jordan. I'm sure most of the listeners already do. As I said, he, uh, he's, he's one of the best in the business when it comes to the pun game, uh, which, which I certainly appreciate. But you can get him at Jordan Tresky, T-R-E-S-K-E, on Twitter. And also, 
follow his work over at Behind the Buck Pass and the Win and Six podcast with another another great guy, Adam McGee. Is he is he Irish? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's Irish. Irish. He's a great fellow. So you got to support these two. They do great stuff. As far as this podcast goes, that'll do our, our do us for this week. We'll be back on Monday. As I hinted earlier in the week, I'm talking to George Carl. He's going to come back on. We're going to talk Giannis. We're going to talk the Bucks uh, coming into the Disney bubble here as uh, when we start next week. Now, the Bucks will only be a few days away from heading down to Disney, so we'll be working all through that. And the mailbag, it got pushed back this week. It's hard to believe that I had too much other stuff to talk about to get to a mailbag, given there's been no basketball for three months. But uh, that's the way it went. So if you want to send your questions through, keep them coming. We'll get to that next week. For Jordan and myself, thank you. And we'll speak to you guys next week. Bye.